Do we believe today that God is unlimited? I hope you believe he's unlimited. He has everything that we need. And, uh, you know, for a few weeks, that's what we want to just think about. The unlimited God. For the next few weeks, the unlimited God. Someone once said, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 1 and 1. We're going to look in that one verse this morning. Uh, But someone once said... Power will intoxicate the best hearts, just as wine, the strongest heads. No man is wise enough nor good enough to be trusted with unlimited power. But the truth is this today. We serve a God who has unlimited power in this world and in the world to come. He, he has whatever it is that we need. But we have to be willing to go to him. We have to trust him. And we have to trust in his power. This unlimited power. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth God we just thank you that we can look into your word and the first sentence of your holy scriptures tells us that you are God and beside you there is no other that is you who's the creator of all and that without you God we have nothing we are nothing And can do nothing. So God we just thank you that you. That it's you that we can call upon. And we can have a relationship with the very one. Who created heaven. And earth. So God we thank you once again for this day that you've given us. And we pray that your presence would just fill. Continue to fill this room. That God you would speak to our hearts. As as the broken words that I share God. That you fix form and fashion them in the hearts of each and every one. And God, we pray that if there's one listening who doesn't have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, or if they find themselves in a backslidden condition, that today, God, that they would call upon your name. For God, we can trust you because whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, your word says, shall be saved. So God, we thank you for this day. And we pray, God, that you'll be with us, you'll lead us, guide us, and direct us throughout the remainder of this service. And that you receive all glory. And that your son is magnified as your Holy Spirit moves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. (laughs) As we think about this unlimited God, today we want to think about for a few moments God's unlimited power. God's unlimited power. Go ahead and look at your watch right now. Because when it's over, I don't want you to say the preacher kept us too long. (laughs) There's a word I learned a long time ago. And this word defines unlimited power, authority, or force. That word is omnipotent. And our God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the only one 
who can claim this attribute. He's the only one who, is, who has unlimited power, unlimited authority, and unlimited force. Now today as we look into this message, we want to, I want you to be aware that whenever I refer to God, I'm referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm referring to the Trinity all in one. And as we look at this, what we find is it's very obvious that God wants us to know that he is the God of all power with this very first sentence that we see in the Holy Scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It appears that we must first get past this sentence and come to terms where there is only one God with unlimited power. There is only one God who has unlimited authority and it's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not Charles Russell and the Watchtower. It's not, it's, it's not uh, Joseph Smith. It, it's not the mythical gods that we read about and that we learn about in school. But it is the God of the Holy Scriptures. It is the God who, who exists this before any of us could ever imagine existence. It's the God who spoke and created this world. And he and he alone has unlimited power because he is Lord. But there is a dilemma that we must come to terms with. We're all limited creatures. And for us to speak about an unlimited God it poses a serious challenge for us. Ken Hempful, the writer of the book Unlimited, he stated this, we can describe God, but we cannot fully define him. The only way we can describe God is that we use human terms. And this poses another problem for us because in Isaiah 40 and verse 18, the Bible says to who? Then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? What Isaiah is sharing with us is that God has no equal and God has no opposite. And the only way that we can fully describe God is to describe his attributes and how unlimited he is in those attributes. We don't really, we can't really fathom or the English language has not come up with the words. To describe this unlimited God. So as we look in this passage. And we take a, a few moments. To just think about. God's unlimited power. What I want us to notice is. How God's unlimited power. Is declared in creation. Genesis 1 and 1. Again it says in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. In this first verse. What we notice is that God is the subject. And the only participant in creation. He sets the tone. For the entire subject. And will. For the, for, uh, the Bible. In chapter. In, in this chapter. We see that God is so dominant. In the 31 verses in chapter 1. We find God referenced 35 times. Folks now. Now we should have this same understanding that Jeremiah seemed to have in, in, in Jeremiah 32 and 17 when he said this, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Folks, we serve an unlimited God 
who has unlimited power. And that ought to excite us today. Nothing, not only do we find here in the Old Testament of God's omnipotence, but we also see it in the New Testament. John's gospel letter, it begins with with declaring that God is the creator of the universe. Here we have it in the very first words or the first sentence in the whole scripture. And then again, when we go to the new gospel or the new covenant, we go to the New Testament, we see in John's gospel that John describes Jesus as God. And what he tells us is that God is the creator of the world he says in John 1 through 3 in John 1 1 through 3 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God and all things that were made were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made I want to tell you we can we can rest assured we can celebrate that we serve an awesome God he tells us in here not only does John's letter or John's gospel letter tell us or begin with God as the creator, but the Hebrew writer declares that nothing exists, existed until God actually spoke. He tells us we didn't even have faith until God spoke. As a matter of fact, it was God who put faith in us. In Hebrews 11 and 3, the Bible says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God and, by, and, and that the things which are seen are not made of, of, of things which are visible. And folks, the, what he's saying here is that the faith that you and I have is based solely upon God's unlimited power. It's God who gives each one of us a measure of faith. We, had, we wouldn't believe anything that we believe about God had God not given us the faith to believe. And if someone, as, as a, if someone tells you that, that they don't have enough faith to believe in God, they're lying to themselves. They're lying to you and they're lying to God because God's given every man enough faith to believe if they would choose to believe believe Romans 12 and 3 the Bible says for I say through the grace given me to everyone who is among you do not think of yourself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith what I want us to really understand here is that God is the creator of the world And through his unlimited power, he spoke the world into existence. Contrary to what the public schools want to teach. Contrary to what science wants to say. God created the heavens and the earth. If we didn't come, we didn't evolve by by apes. If we evolved by apes, then they wouldn't still be apes, but they still are. I want you to understand this, that God created us in his image and his likeness. God... In his omnipotence, he just spoke and he shook things up. When things are shaken up, there's a a great possibility of chaos. But when God shakes things up, there's ordered chaos. We may not know what's going on. We may not be able to, to, to tell exactly what's happened. But we know God created it and it was created in order. Here, I remember a few years ago, we, we went to Arizona, and as we were in Arizona on the Navajo Nation for a week, we, we spent time working there in a the church, and I had never, never had any idea or any inclination or any desire to see the Grand Canyon. But on the way home that day, when we finished up at 4 o'clock, and, and time was an hour, an hour ahead on the, on the Navajo Nation, so when we began to make our way back to Flagstaff, 
path. And on our way there, we were able to take a, a round trip to go by the Grand Canyon. And we just happened, we just happened to get there uh, before sunset. And while we were there, sunset came down. And as it came down, we saw the beauty that a created God, the creation that God and God alone created. It may look like chaos to this world, but I want to tell you, it's ordered chaos. God created everything that we saw. You and I couldn't have even, we couldn't have imagined it in our hearts what we saw. I never had a desire, but I want to tell you, I want to go back. I want to tour it. I want to see more of it because I got to see the beauty that God has. If you've never been outside of Robinson County, I want to tell you, you're missing out on the beauty of God and knowing what only God can do. When we went to New Mexico last summer, now I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't see as much as I should have seen. I was riding in that vehicle and after all the hills and all the turns and all the all the mountains that we had to go around, my, ner- my nerves was in a mess. I was all messed up because we weren't going around it at 15, 20 mile an hour, you hear? We were going around it pretty good, but I did get to see enough to know that there is a God in heaven who sits high and looks low and he's the creator of all things. Folks, there's no way there's no way that those rocks could be formed the way that they were formed without a God in glory. It didn't just happen. People want to talk about a Big Bang Theory. I'll tell you what the Big Bang was. Jesus spoke, and because he spoke, the world was created. Yes, some scientists and some unbelievers want to say that they don't want to believe in a God that they can't see. But God has given every man, every woman, Every boy and every girl enough faith to believe. I want to share this with parents and grandparents. God is the creator. And he has all power. And your children and grandchildren need to know this. And you can't wait and leave it up to just the Sunday school teachers and the pastor to teach the children about God and his power. They're in school five days a week, and they're learning for eight hours a day, five days a week. They're learning what the world would have them to learn. They're learning what legislation, what legislation would provide for them, and the education that legislators are providing is not always a godly, it really looks nothing like a godly lesson or, or anything concerning loving God or trusting God or believing in God. These legislated educators, all they know is facts and forms that's in their face, They don't know what living by faith means. And our children need more than just two hours on Sunday morning. We might get them an hour on Wednesday night. There's a handful. Listen to me, church. A small handful that we get on Wednesday night. And that's not the children's fault when they've got no license. They've got, it's not their fault when they can't drive themselves. It's not their fault when you're living too far to walk here. It's not their fault. We've got, we need to listen to this now. I want to tell you, the world has them more than we do. So my suggestion is, spend time with them. I think children need to understand and get all the education they can get. I think we should push them. I think we should make demands upon them. We should encourage them to do 
do the very best that they possibly can, even in the secular schools. But I think we should demand, we should push and encourage the same thing in the house of God. Uh, We need to spend time with them with their Sunday school lesson. We need to spend time with them with their worship service. I'm so glad Miss Janice shared what she shared today because that's exactly where this message was. You know what that is? That's God being in control and bearing witness with one another of what we need with our children. This is a part of that. I wonder how many of us spend time talking about their Sunday school lesson. How many of us spend time talking to them about the worship service? How many spend time talking about what goes on in church with our children? God provides us teachable moments with our children and his parents and grandparents. We can't let that go by. I did everything in my power. I may not have done it all right. I may not have done enough, but I did everything in my power to make sure that Taylor wouldn't hate church as some pastor's kids hate church i did everything in my power to shield her from certain things so that she wouldn't despise church people the way some pastor's kids despise church people i've not wanted her spotlighted and when we've got when we were home when she was a little girl and she would ask things that that i I didn't realize that she observed i would remind her listen we're all flawed and just as flawed as what you saw that person do or what you heard that person say i'm just as flawed i want you to know that that you're daddy the pastor's not perfect and we all make these mistakes but we all seek God's forgiveness and we forgive one another just as he's forgiven us I want to tell you parents and grandparents we need to make sure our children are are shielded from the things that they don't need to hear there's some things some conversations that small children don't need to be in the presence of adults with if you got an ought against me, have that ought against me. If you got an ought against the deacons, have that ought against the deacons. You got an ought against your, your brother or sister, have that ought, but you better get it straight. And But whatever you do, don't share that ought around your children. Because who you despise, they'll despise also. I don't know why, but God gave me that to share to you. I haven't heard anything. I don't know anything. I don't want to know. (laughs) But I do know that we need to shield our children. And then when they hear what we don't want them to hear, use them as teachable moments so that they understand that we're none perfect. No, not one. Only the one who lives in glory. Listen. We should use those teachable moments. Why? Because we can't afford to wait until their lives are in shambles to begin demanding for them to know about this God, this unlimited God. Instead, we need to teach them while they're young so that they'll find out when their life is in a mess that they can call out to an unlimited God with unlimited resources who he created. Now listen, young people, Listen to me. If you've made a mess of your life or you feel you're making a mess of your life, it's never too late. And the mess isn't big enough that our unlimited God can't handle it. Trust him with it. Hell, (laughs) he'll make you glad that you did. Yes, creation. Creation declares... That our God has unlimited power. But not only does creation declare that, but God's unlimited power was demonstrated 
in his commotion. When I use the word commotion there, I'm using it in terms of activity. So when we think of God's activity and we read about his activity, the things that he done throughout scripture, we find that he has unlimited power. How about the Tower of Babel? Babel, Babel, whatever we want to call it. How about that tower? Man got to the point to where they thought they were too high. Well, they thought too high of themselves. They, they decided they would build a city and they would make a name for themselves. And in that city, they were going to build a tower to reach to the heavens. The knowledge and understanding that God had given man is outstanding. For these men and women in this time in history... To be able to figure out how to use what resources they had. And uh, trust me, they didn't have the resources we have today. They didn't have skill saws. They didn't have a brick just delivered to them. They had to make their own brick. They didn't have all the things that's at our fingertips. But they were able to build a city. And not only build a city, but construct a tower up toward the heavens. And then God looked down. He looked down and he saw what they were doing. I want to tell you just that, just what they were doing reminds us of how great a God he is. But he looked down, he saw everything. And in his unlimited power, after seeing what was going on, Genesis 11 and 7 says, God said, come, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Go down and confuse their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. And their speech where it was confounded. They were scattered over the face of the earth. Here, I, You know, just that in itself, it, it confounds me about how great and how powerful God is. Everyone spoke the same language. Everyone understood what everyone was saying. And then all of a sudden, they, no one could understand what no one was saying. It was all gibberish to them. It was, it was all babble. That's why we get that name for the time. Power. It became Bible to everyone. Have you ever talked to someone who speaks a language you don't talk to? And you're just shaking your head saying, I wish they'd go on. Yeah, I, I've said, I, was in, I was in Walmart in Fayetteville a few years ago. And, and I was standing there at a line. And this guy comes to the end of the aisle. And he looks at me and says, you. And he begins speaking in Spanish. And I, I just shook my head, no, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, really? I said, nope, don't understand what you're saying. Then he said, little bit. I said, no, I don't, I don't know what I look like to hear. Him, but I didn't come from his country and I don't speak his language. That, I marvel at that when someone can speak another language. You know why? Because I have a hard time with the English language. My broken language from over there at Union Chapel. You heard what I said over there? Over there at Union Chapel. We have a time with our language and to speak a language that's foreign to us. That's only through the power of God. I don't care how many lessons you've taken. I don't care what the teacher said or looked like. It's only the power of God. I took, I took Spanish three years and I still can't say anything hardly. I barely remember the numbers. And it's because God and God alone puts that gift in us. It's him who has all power. Unsaved, I want you to know something. You may think you've got things figured out. But you need to know that there's a God who sits high and looks low. And he has all power. And just as soon as you think you've got your life figured out, God has the power and the authority. <laughs> he has the power and the authority to bring confusion to your life. 
You don't believe that'll happen? Just talk to any born-again Christian. They'll tell you it happens. And then talk to your neighbor who's lost. They'll tell you it happens to them. Right when you think you've got life figured out, God in all his power, he brings confusion. And he has the power not only to bring confusion, but to scatter everything that you've built for yourself. He has the power to humble us and remind us he's the one in control. Look back on your life. And you'll see where God has, his power has orchestrated things to happen. Let me tell you why he's done it. Not because he doesn't love you. It's because he loves you so much. He wants you to acknowledge him. How about the call on Moses' life? God called Moses to be an instrument for him to use to deliver Israel out of the bondage of slavery. God prepared Moses and without, without Moses even know what, knowing what God was doing. And at the appointed time, God sent Moses back to Egypt. A land where the last time he was there, he was sought after for murder. And here Moses goes back to Egypt and he told the Pharaoh to let God's people go. <laughs> but God hardened the Pharaoh's heart. You see, we read that and we get confused. And I want to tell you about God's power. He can see everything. God knows every decision you're going to make. He knows, the, he knows every corrupt thing in your heart. He knows all because he has that power. He knows the very thought that's in your mind right now. He knows whether you want to sit here and re- hear this or whether you want to go home. He knows right now. He knows everything and he knew the heart of Pharaoh. He knew Pharaoh would never bow his knee down to him. So he went ahead and hardened his heart. And because he hardened his heart, he did it to demonstrate his power to the Egyptians. And how unlimited his power was. He sent nine plagues. Hold on. I I know there's ten, but just hold on. He sent nine plagues on Egypt. And these nine plagues consisted of this. The water in Egypt turned to blood. Then there was a plague of frogs. Next there was a plague of lice. Then there was a plague of flies. A plague of diseased livestock. A plague of boils. A plague of hell. A plague of locusts. And a plague of darkness. Well, you may not think darkness is a plague. You live in it long enough. You live in darkness long enough and you'll go foolish. That's why these inmates in prison don't want to go to the hole. Those walls get close. And having no one to talk to. Only having a meal shoved into your room and, and the door's locked right back. You get in darkness long enough, you'll lose your mind. That's what it's designed for. That's why it doesn't control 24 hours on the clock (laughs) that's why we have daylight because God knows we need it but here I want us to know in the 10th and final plague that God demonstrated he demonstrated his unlimited power those who would take those who would take an unblemished lamb and prepare it for a meal and then take the blood of it and place it on the on the two lentils or on the two doorposts and on the lentil uh, they judgment would be passed by them In Exodus 12 and 12, the Bible says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt. And on that night I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Folks, God demonstrated his power in that he was able to see the blood as he brought judgment 
by, he was able to see the blood that was applied to the homes. There, God, when God saw the blood of a spot, spotless lamb on the doorpost and lentils, the firstborn was spared. And listen, there was not one spared that shouldn't have been spared. And there was not one taken that shouldn't have been taken. And those whose homes where the blood had been applied, had not been applied, death came to them. Folks, I want to ask you right now. Right now, truthfully. If the death angel came by right now, would this unlimited God see the blood applied to our house of flesh? Or would judgment consume us? But that wasn't all he did with Moses. What about on Israel's march out of Egypt? After Pharaoh's son had died and he had given up and said, just take the people and get out of here. He was so broken, he wanted nothing. He didn't want to see any Israelites. And they began marching. And by day, there was a cloud that shielded them. By night, there was a fire that protected them and gave them light. And they come up to the Red Sea, and when they look back, they saw Pharaoh's mind had changed. And because his mind changed, here comes his army after the Egyptians. And here they were, worried, wondering if they had done better to have just stayed in Egypt. And Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of God. The waters parted and they walked across on dry ground. And as the Egyptians got close and they began to, to come into the, onto this dry ground, waters began to consume them. And everyone was consumed. Yeah, the, only the power of God. You couldn't have dreamed that. All those Israelites sitting there on that bank thinking, well, we're dead now. We're just dead slaves is all we are. Moses, you've taken us out of a home, out of a, away from our homes for us to die. But God's power, God's unlimited power showed them and it showed Egypt that God was in control. How about his son's incarnation? Now we've talked about what happened before the flood. We talked about what happened after the flood. But what about his incarnation? In the fullness of time, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a virgin conceived. That doesn't even make sense. Virgin conceived. Does that make sense to you biologically? It doesn't make sense. Here, a woman who never knew a man sexually, she bore the only begotten son of the father. This could only take place through the power of an unlimited God. This same son being 100% man and 100% God, he lived a sinless life. While he, while he was here on earth, he turned water into wine. He made the lame to walk. He made the dumb to talk. He made the blind to see. And thanks be to God, he showed his great power. He made the dead to live again. And we know the story of Lazarus being dead four days when Jesus told them to take the stone away. Martha, Lazarus' sister said, but by now he stinks. He's been dead for four days. <laughs> but they took the stone away. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> and Lazarus came forth. The, some people will say that if he had said just come forth, everything in the grave would have came forth. But here... He spoke Lazarus' name and he came forth. He came 
<laughs> he that was dead, he who had died, he came out bound hand and foot with his grave clothes on. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Today, this same Jesus who has unlimited power wants to set you free. I don't know what's bound you, but he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from sin, from from the sin that has you bound. And he wants to set you free to serve him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and strength. But there's more. In God's unlimited power, Jesus lived a sinless life. He became the ultimate sacrificial lamb whose blood would cover our sin he gave his body and his blood to pay our penalty for all sin when we couldn't pay this price he covered it for us he paid it all second corinthians 5 and 21 the bible says for he being god made him jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness Of God in him. In God's unlimited power. He humbled himself as the son of God. And when men falsely accused him. When they beat him. When they plucked the hair out of his face. When they forced the crown of thorns on his head. When they nailed him to an old rugged cross. This unlimited God. With unlimited power. Was making all things new. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. In his unlimited power, he applies the blood of his son to the lives of those who receive his son as their personal savior. And he knows, he knows everyone where the blood has been applied. And where it's been applied... For those of us who know that we know that we know that we've been born again. That we know our name's been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. For those of us where the blood has been applied, we've passed. I'm not waiting to pass, but we've already passed from death into eternal life. Boy, that ought to excite you today. (laughs) That an unlimited God takes us right where we are and says, you know what? You'll never taste the sting of death. You'll just go to sleep and you'll wake up in my glory. Yes. If you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your personal Savior, you can call on him. And through his unlimited power, he'll answer your call. How do you know, preacher? Because in Romans 10, 8 through 11, the Bible says... The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For salvation says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And down in verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We hope you've enjoyed the message today.
And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.